Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. The year was 1940. Londoners were hunkered and even bunkered down as the Blitz, the German bombing raid, carried on for 57 consecutive nights. 57 nights. I mean, think about that. During what what has been the stay-at-home order, there's a lot of us that have gotten pretty stir-crazy, and maybe some people fear that the coronavirus is just like a bomb that's about ready to drop on our heads, but what we face can't really compare to what they faced in 1940. I mean, think about that. You're hearing the bombers rumbling and later seeing buildings crumbling, wondering if the very next one is going to land on top of you and your family. It's been really interesting reading and listening to a a lot of the comparisons that have been made, and maybe you have seen some of them. I have paid more attention to and read more about and listened more about Winston Churchill during this pandemic than any other time in my life. His heroic leadership during this time has been something that has caught the eye of many, certainly throughout history, beyond just this pandemic. The way that he used rhetoric, which was valued highly in that time, truth, which mattered, and leadership, which was needed the most, to lead his people away from their greatest weaknesses towards their greatest strengths is quite remarkable. You see, their greatest weakness wasn't the fact that they were outnumbered. It wasn't even the bombs that were falling from overhead. The greatest weakness, the thing that would paralyze them and leave them feeling hopeless and helpless, the greatest weakness was their fears. He led them to their greatest strength. It wasn't their numbers. It wasn't their military, at least in, in those moments when a lot of them felt like they had reason to be hopeless and helpless. No, their greatest strength was was their resolve. We might say that it was their hope. Now, it might seem odd to you to refer to hope as one's greatest strength. Because usually strength is something that we can maybe measure, something with size or, or muscles or mass or numbers, but I think we understand how hope is our greatest strength when we learn of maybe a POW who overcame a Vietnam prison camp or maybe a, a special forces personnel who overcame incredible odds. They refer to never losing hope. That, that was their greatest strength. I think we can understand that. And in this way, we see that hope, of course, is not something that is abstract or disconnected from reality. No, in fact, as we have seen all Easter season long, as we've been looking at one lesson after the other from First Peter, hope is anything but this ethereal, abstract concept. No, It is a concrete connection, a literal link to our greatest strength, the risen and now ascended Jesus Christ, our Savior. And especially on this day, when we recognize Jesus taking that ultimate position of power to rule all things for our good, it is all the more important to see that since our hope is connected to, it rests in, it is centered in and cemented in Him, our Savior, then that hope remains. And yes, as we'll see today, no wonder, our hope is our greatest strength. 
You see Peter get to that, and we've looked at several lessons, that, and Peter's going to echo several of the themes that we've seen throughout these several weeks of Easter. But you see him get to that at the very end of our lesson today in some of the last words that he shares in 1 Peter 5. Look especially at verses 10 and 11. There Peter, there Peter writes, And the God of all grace, not, not some temporary timestamp, partial grace, the, the God of all grace, he is the source of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, there he's talking about the hope, the, the faith that God has put into our hearts to call us into his kingdom and to make us members of his family. He has called us to this eternal glory in Christ our Savior. After you have suffered a little while, suffering that we face in this world is, is just temporary. It seems always short-term because we have this eternal perspective. After you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you this idea of restoration, it's like a net that is maybe cut or apart, being brought back together. Like something that is fragmented in, in pieces, like a puzzle, being now made stronger as it's connected. He will restore you. That's a type of strength. He's going to make you strong, like being connected and established with several people holding you arm in arm. You, you, you might feel weak alone, but, but not when you're established with many others and affixed next to them. He will make you strong and, and firm, like a, a muscle that is worked over and over again through exercise. It's not only made larger, but it is flexed and, and ready for the opposition. He will make you strong, firm, and steadfast, like being cemented in or founded upon the, the bedrock as opposed to sand. Nothing, not even a great storm is going to cause you to, to fall over or to become weak. He's saying you will be strong, 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 strong in, in many ways. And this is not just a maybe. This is not just a might could. He's saying that he will do this. You who have been given this hope that is in the risen and ascended Savior will be made strong in every way, even though you might suffer for a little while. But what if it feels like the suffering that we are enduring in this life is going on a lot longer than just a little while? And we've heard a lot about suffering. That's a common theme in this epistle. But like when the diagnosis comes back after we thought that it was gone for years, when we hear the terrible news out of left field, we weren't prepared for it, and it hits us again and again like, waves battering against the shore, when, when depression is nagging and nagging and it doesn't just last for days or weeks, but maybe months or years, when the loved one that we don't know what we would do without is taken from us, or the grief that we thought we would get over comes back again and again and knocks us, maybe even flat on our back. And of course, there's the fears and the worries about what's going to come next and all of the things that we can't control. What about when all of these things happen? It is, it is precisely at these times when our greatest weaknesses and our greatest strengths are put, pulled to the forefront and they are put on display and they are tested to see which one is going to win the day. And of course, our greatest weaknesses, our greatest weakness, rather, is, is our fear. It's, it's the things that we can't control. It's the things that we can't overcome. 
the things that are larger than us and the ineptitude that we feel when we look in the mirror and we wonder how we are going to overcome it. In all of these ways, the focus is on us and on our reality and not on the one who controls all things, high ascended above all powers in this world, sitting as the ruler of heaven and earth. No, our fears rather make us very introspective, causing us to only look at ourselves and, and the things we can't overcome. And that is our greatest weakness. But you know, there's this thing about hope and strength. And no one ever talks about hope and strength when everything is going easy. In fact, it is precisely when our fears are on display, when they are heightened and thrown right in front of our face, that the legitimacy of our strength, our hope, is actually put to the test. We actually find out how strong our hope is. And for you and for me, we don't just have a, a type of strength that is mustered up by how we feel or some kind of fickle intuition. No, our hope rests in a special type of power, a type of power that Peter refers to in the last verse, in verse 11. He says, to him, to Jesus Christ, be the power forever and ever. Amen. And don't overlook that type of power. You see, this word that he uses for power, of all the words he, he could have used, the Holy Spirit used the word that refers to power that has been proven. You see, our hope, this hope to which we have been called in Christ Jesus, to the eternal glory that is found only in him, it is proven that this is our greatest strength because the power that Christ proved was seen when he crushed sin, death, and Satan on the cross. This is power that is proven when he rose on the third day and walked out of that tomb. It is power that is proven when 40 days after his resurrection, he ascended to take his rightful position at the right hand of God in rule over all things and for our good. And this is the one in whom we have our hope. And therefore, this is what makes our hope the strongest asset that we have. And it is going to last. It is going to remain forever and ever. And we can even say to that, amen. You see, my friends, we do not just have some cross your fingers, some, some hopeful, wishful thinking. We have a hope that has been put inside of us. We've been called to this called from the darkness, as we heard last week, in, into the marvelous light of God's grace, the God of all grace. C cemented in, in a Savior who now sits above all rule and authority. And that's not just a, a hopeful, wishful thought. That is a fact. And so this is our greatest strength. You know, it's been interesting reading about Winston Churchill as he would visit the places that had been bombed shortly thereafter, maybe even the next day. And there'd be pictures and even people gathered around as he would not just stand amid the wreckage and show that he cared for the people that were hurting in many ways, but that he would be standing amid the wreckage with a stoic look on his face. And in some cases, there's these pictures of him even walking through the wreckage, telling people, either in message or in picture, this is not going to define us. We're not going to allow these Nazis to create fear. They're not worthy of our fear. Instead, we have something that is stronger than all of this. It is our resolve. We could say it. It's our hope. Dear Christian, we do not have a Savior who just stands amid the wreckage and crosses his fingers in hopes for a better tomorrow for himself and maybe for us too. No. 
we have a Savior who walked through the culmination of all that is the wreckage of this world. And he didn't just walk through it and get a little messy. No, he walked through it and overcame it all by his death on a Roman cross. And through his rising from the grave and his taking his rightful position on the throne over all, you and I can know without a shadow of a doubt that since our hope rests in him, we don't have to worry, we don't have to fear. Fear is our greatest weakness. It's the opposite of all of our hopes. No, our hope is much stronger than that. The world is not worthy of our fear. Satan, as great as he might be compared to us, he is not greater than the ascended Savior. This is our hope. And, and since it is, then that begins to take shape, not just in the way that we view eternity when we stand before his throne someday, it starts to take shape in the way that we live right now. It, it, that's exactly what helps us understand what Peter gets to in the beginning part of our lesson. S start with verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourselves. It's, it's not up to our wealth and our wisdom, our, our wit and our strength, our resolve on our own, so to speak. But under God's mighty hand, the, the one who sits at the right hand of God. And in due time, yes, his timing is always perfect, although we may question it and wonder at times. In, in due time, he will lift us up. Sure, there are going to be things that we are going to worry about and be anxious about. But he says next, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Worries have a way, anxieties have a way of making us believe that we are to be responsible for taking care of the very things that we worry about. But we can't. It's too heavy for us. It's far above our pay grade. And that's why God says you, you don't even have the responsibility to take care of the things that you're anxious about. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says you can't even take care of tomorrow. So don't worry. You're not the one who takes care of the birds. Your father is. Not one falls without his knowing. Instead, with these assumed responsibilities, as it were, of, of being worried and, and anxious about things, he says, cast. And this isn't like a, a fishing reel cast where you want to reel it in back later. No, this is a throw, and specifically on, on the Lord. And you know why. Because he cares for you. Again, it doesn't mean be naive. He goes on to say, be alert, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Yeah, he, he wants to devour our soul like a lion would an antelope. But we have every reason and resource to resist him. Why and how? Standing firm in the faith. This, this hope that you and I have been given in a Savior who is stronger than Satan this faith that we have makes us firm. It makes us strong, 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 strong to resist the devil, not to be naive about his schemes and his lies, his ploys which try and pull us away from God's promises. No, it makes us strong. And in case we needed a little extra encouragement, we can know that this is a battle that we're not fighting alone, not just with countless Christians who have gone before us, but those that even stand beside us today in this fellowship of believers Peter goes on to say, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We, we are not alone. Not alone, not only because we have a Savior, and that is our strength, but also because we have a great cloud of witnesses, a great number of people who are experiencing the same sufferings we are. So, how strong is your hope? 
it's got to be bigger than just whatever you can muster up on your own. And you know how serious it is because of all the things that we can forfeit in this life. Losing our hope is not one of them. But thanks be to God, we have a hope that is cemented in and connected to our Savior. And since this Savior is not only risen from the dead, but ascended and rules over all things for our good, then we know that this hope that we have, it remains forever and ever. In fact, this hope that we have in our Savior Jesus Christ can't get any stronger. Amen.